Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, September 9th, 2018. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Does anybody else like watching uh, television game shows? I think I grew up watching television game shows. This was long before cable, long before the internet and cell phones, and you only had like five channels on the TV. One of them had game shows all the time. I watched The Price is Right, Match Game, Let's Make a Deal, The Newlywed Game, Hollywood Squares, The $100,000 Pyramid, Joker, Joker, Joker on Joker's Wild. I watched them all. But there's one game show that has stood above the rest. It debuted in March 1964, ran uh, on during the daytime through 1975, and then an evening version ran off and on throughout the late 70s before coming uh, a staple in 1984. With over 7,000 episodes having been aired, the daily syndicated version has won 33 Daytime Emmy Awards. It's the only post-1960s game show to be honored with a Peabody Award for Excellence. And in 2013, it was ranked by TV Guide as the 45th greatest show in American television history. It averages still close to 10 million viewers every day. Of course, that's the answer, right? The question is, what is Jeopardy? How many of you grew up in families where Jeopardy was on at least a few nights? Yeah, yeah. There's something so fascinating, it just draws you in, right? I have to admit, where else can you discover on a daily basis just how stupid you are than by watching Jeopardy, right? I mean, okay, maybe, maybe stupid's a little bit harsh, uh, but unless you're this guy, Ken Jennings, at some point, you're going to get to a question or two or five that you just have no idea what the answer is. Now, in case you're unfamiliar, the game show works like this. Contestants choose from a series of topics uh, that are listed at the top of the uh, grid there, and then the point value for what they would like to work for. And then they have to provide the question. So we're going to practice this morning. We're going to play a little Jeopardy um, on a category I'm calling firsts. Are you ready to play Jeopardy? Okay, here we go. Just shout it out if you think you know the answer, okay? Here we go for $200. In 1939, this was the first make of automobile to offer air conditioning. Remember, you have to form your phrase in a question like, what is Chevrolet? Yeah. So would you, would you let that like to be your answer? What is Chevrolet? Absolutely wrong. But good try. What is Packard? What is Packard? Well done. Not to be confused with the Green Bay Packers that also have uh, interest today, but... Uh, For $400, he was the first U.S. president inaugurated in American-made clothing. Who is Teddy Roosevelt? Incorrect. (laughs) But you said it so confidently, Dathan. I love that, right? Just go for it. What's that? Which Adams? John Quincy Adams? Incorrect. The correct answer is... Who is James Madison? Yeah. I I want to at least give you a chance, even though it wasn't one of the Adams brothers. Yeah. Uh, For $600. In 1964, he became the United States Navy's first Hispanic four-star admiral. 
I'm just hearing crickets. <laughs> Who is Horatio Rivero? For $800. In 1866, they committed the first train robbery in the United States, getting away with, are you ready, $13,000, which was a lot of money back then. Oh, so close. No. Who are the Reno brothers? Yeah. And now they steal your money in Reno all the time. For $1,000, prior to 2012, before Andy Murray appeared... He was the last male tennis player from the United Kingdom to reach the gentlemen's singles finals of Wimbledon. It was 1938. And the first tennis player to wear shorts. Rod Laver? Arthur Ashe? Who is Henry Wilfred Bunny Austin? Bunny was his nickname, you know. I guess because he wore shorts. I have no idea. Okay, so uh, how many of you got five for five on... Four, three, two, I know at least you got one, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I can interest you then in a sermon series on wisdom. For the rest of September, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs to discover the path to wisdom. Now, the wisdom we're searching for here uh, in this series won't be able to help you become a Jeopardy champion, at least not most episodes. Occasionally, they have biblical uh, trivia on the show. Uh, in fact, though a person with a high IQ still might not be considered to be wise, at least not in how the book of Proverbs intends for it. So, without further ado, let's get into this study together. Wisdom is a category of literature that's found in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament. And the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, all uh, contain wisdom literature. And within these books, there's a variety of genres by which they communicate that wisdom. Some are sayings or questions and riddles. There's instruction. There's didactic narrative, teaching poems, dialogue, collection, even rhetoric. And when it comes to wisdom in the Bible, though, there are other words uh, that speak about wisdom. So you, you're not only just looking for the word wisdom, you're looking for some of these words as well. Discipline, correction, success, knowledge and understanding, discernment, prudence, sensibility, judiciousness, what is right, what is just, what is fair. So as we're looking through this series on Proverbs, we're looking for all of these words as well. Because you see, wisdom is universal. The Old Testament recognizes that wisdom isn't just limited to people of ancient Israel or uh, early Judaism with their teachers and scribes and the kings. No, wherever one finds nuggets of wisdom, you can bet that that wisdom has had its source in God. Wherever you find truth and wisdom, you know God is behind that. So I invite you to turn to the book of the Bible where this study is going to be coming from, the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're going to start at the very first chapter, the very first verse, Proverbs 1, verse 1. You can grab the Red Pew Bible in front of you if you'd like. Uh, you can take out your smartphone and open your Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app on your smartphone, the U version, Y-O-U version, is a free Bible app that has wonderful uh, free translations, and you could pick your favorite to follow along. Uh, Proverbs is almost in the middle of the Bible. We, I always grew up knowing that, you know, Psalms is the exact middle, and this is the the uh, uh, book that comes right after. So if you open up to the middle and a little bit here, a little bit there, you should find the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. 
By the way, scholars tell us that while uh, some of the sayings in Proverbs undoubtedly would have come from King Solomon, not all of them would have come from him. Uh, They're merely attributed to him because he was known for his legendary wisdom. So, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction and wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. So, at the very beginning, the writer is wanting to outline why we should pay attention. Why is it important to be reading this book? Uh, Why should we spend time here? Well, there's learning, instruction, understanding, insight, wise dealings, righteousness, justice, and equity. I mean, who couldn't use a little more of that in your week, right? Uh, And many of the words that we've already talked about that are synonymous or uh, markers of wisdom are in this introduction as well. Verse 4. To teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young. Let the wise also hear and gain in learning and the discerning acquire skill. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So the author is telling us that there's two groups of people initially that this book is especially meaningful to. And the first group is the simple, or the simple-minded, or sometimes said the young. But don't think of it in terms of age. Uh, think of it, we might say today, it's the, it's the immature. It's, they're neither wise nor foolish, they just are uninformed. They haven't had a chance uh, to learn this. As author uh, Trimper Longman writes in his book, How to Read Proverbs, he says, the, the, the simple or the young, they can do stupid things to be sure. But the difference between the simple-minded and the fool is teachability, right? There's a key. No matter who you are, no matter how much you've learned or how many degrees you have, are you open to being taught? Are you open to learning something new? The book of Proverbs is written from the perspective of a father to his son, from a teacher to a young man, a a male student in particular. So as you read through the book, in addition to things that guys might be interested in, you'll also find the the feminine figure of woman wisdom. Woman wisdom. Now, in some places, that's become a a, a controversial figure. I like to see it as just one of the many assets of God. That, that, that wisdom personified tells us a little bit about God who is the source of all wisdom. And the wisdom personified uh, list has some of the best qualities in women. So there may be times when you're reading Proverbs, you have to remember, you're putting yourself in the uh, place of the original hearer, which would have been a young male student learning from his teacher. Well, the second audience that the book of Proverbs is for is uh, for the wise. And these are people who we might say are mature, Uh, I'm sure a category that fits many of us uh, here today in this room. Uh, But notice that just being classified with wise doesn't mean you've got everything figured out. Part of being wise is knowing you still have room to grow. There's more you can learn. You're never too old to improve and to grow in different areas of your life. So the wise might hear and gain in learning and acquire skill to understand a proverb, a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So whether you're immature or mature, whether you're uh, simple-minded or wise, this book is for you, which may seem like it's for everyone, right? No. There is definitely one group of people that will not benefit from this book. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So who won't benefit from the book of Proverbs? Fools. Right. 
Now, today we think of fools as someone who probably has a very low IQ. Uh, That's not the case in biblical time. In fact, fools may be quite intelligent. They may have a very high IQ and a reputation for success. Author Bill Hybels remarks that fools often consider themselves clever, people who know how to beat the system. But their cleverness often leads to their ruin. Their penchant for distorting the truth, their lack of discernment and discipline, their unwillingness to exhibit self-control, and their apparent delight in throwing caution to the wind put them on a path to disaster. So this book is just about for everyone except fools because fools tend to already exclude themselves from being open to learning. This final verse in our scripture reading today has often been called the motto of the book of Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Who's heard that before, right? So common, and yet it goes back to God, right? God is the source of all of our wisdom. And, And we've heard this verse many times before, but I think it's helpful to unpack it just a little bit to have a better understanding of what it means. Because there's really only one definition of fear that most of us use today, and it often is not in relationship to God. R.C. Sproul uh, was an American theologian, author, ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church. He has a wonderful way of looking at the concept of the fear of the Lord. Um, And he goes back to Martin Luther, the famous uh, Reformation theologian. Luther distinguished between what he called servile fear and filial fear. Servile fear is the kind of fear that, say, a prisoner would have who's in a torture chamber. And the fear that he has for the tormentor, the jailer, the executioner. It's this sort of dreadful anxiety in which someone is frightened by the clear and present danger that's represented in someone else who has power and authority over them and is wielding it against them. But filial fear comes from the Latin word for family. Filial fear is a fear that a child has for his or her parent that's grounded in tremendous respect, reverence, and love. Meaning a child... Uh, desperate to please his or her parent, doesn't want to offend them because his parent is the source of love and security in their world. So it's a healthy sense of adoration and respect that children have for their parents and that we should have for God. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Now, I want to finish this morning by talking a little bit about Proverbs themselves. Not the book, but the genre. As we get ready to study this, it's going to be helpful to know some of these guidelines. Thomas Long points out, the question is not will people live by Proverbs, but what kind of Proverbs will they cherish? Like we have Proverbs in our life all the time. They're everywhere. We live in a society that loves Proverbs. Think of them as um, uh, t-shirt slogans, bumper stickers, uh, jingles on on the commercials. Those are all things that we take in as Proverbs. Like I'm a huge sports fan. And so there's a number of sports-related proverbs that we could share today, like, just do it. No pain, no gain. There is no I in team. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. It ain't over till it's over. And it's not if you get knocked down, but whether you get back up. Right? These are all sayings that people that play sports have said or heard said over and over again. So there's a number of proverbs I'm sure you could come up with. Even in the church, there's proverbs. In fact, there's quite a few religious proverbs that people quote that actually aren't from the Bible. Sayings like, God helps those who help themselves. Or, hate the sin, love the sinner. You heard that one before? Uh, God never gives you something you can't handle. I hear that all the time. And it goes hand in hand with, everything happens for a reason. 
Great Proverbs, right? None of them are in the Bible. It's sort of become popular religion. Fortunately, we're going to be looking at Proverbs that are in the Bible uh, for the rest of the series. And so here's a few helpful tips as we get going through this. First of all, Proverbs are not promises, okay? They tell us how life works. And one thing they make very clear is that, you know, generally speaking, people who are godly, moral, hardworking, and wise will reap many rewards. Good things will happen. But here's the caveat. Proverbs tell us how life works most of the time. Not all of the time in every situation. And so you can worry about the exceptions after you've learned the rule. If you try to live by the exceptions, then you'll court disaster. So Proverbs teach us how the world works, how life works most of the time. And Proverbs are not magical phrases to be memorized. Just because you know a proverb doesn't mean things will go well for you. You can't wield Proverbs like magic spells a la Harry Potter and suddenly your day is just going to be fabulous. Uh, Listen to these two quotes uh, from the message translation of the Bible. Proverbs 26.7 says, A proverb quoted by fools is limp as a wet noodle. Now, there's a phrase you don't read very often in your Bible. Uh, Or Proverbs 26.9, To ask a moron to quote a proverb is like putting a scalpel in the hands of a drunk. Like, you can't get any more clear than that, can you, right? Do not give a drunk a scalpel. Uh, next, problems are, Proverbs are situation sensitive. That means we have to know the right time and circumstance when to use them and when not to use them. We have to interpret Proverbs. We, you might even say we need wisdom to know when to use Proverbs effectively. Experience, observation, instruction, learning from our past mistakes, divine revelation, all of these help lay the ground, groundwork for effective use of Proverbs in our life. But the bottom line for the book of Proverbs is that it's there to help us learn to live life well. And there's some passages in the Bible that are focused on the life to come, the kingdom of God, heaven, eternal life, not Proverbs. Proverbs is all about here and now. And contrary to popular belief, the measure of living well is not found in the size of your bank account. Though we will spend an entire Sunday looking on what Proverbs say about the use of finances and money in our lives. But also you need to remember that living well doesn't exempt you from problems. That's part of just being human, right? No matter who you are, no matter how long you've been going to church, no matter how many years you've been walking with Jesus, everybody's going to have problems. That's part of being human. But a wise person can live with boldness in spite of the difficulties that come up in life. It'll help you get a better perspective on things. And living well is experiencing God's best for every area of our lives. And when we're able to do that, even in the midst of hurricanes and troubles and disasters and all kinds of drama, then we glorify God with our lives. So in the weeks to come, we're going to look at wise and foolish words. We'll look at the wisdom in uh, money matters. And we'll conclude the series with what I'm calling wisdom potpourri, which Kind of sounds like a Jeopardy category, doesn't it? Uh, But it's sort of like all the other things that I didn't get to put a complete Sunday on, we'll throw them in uh, during the last message. In the meantime, I invite you to start reading the book of Proverbs on your own. Someone said it's a perfect devotional book. One, the chapters are pretty short. Uh, Two, it's like 
kind of reading a whole chapter of fortune cookies, little phrases, things, you know, hold on to the ones you like and let go of the ones that you don't. But what's really cool is there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and there's 31 days in most months. So you start on whatever day you're at. Today's the ninth. Go to Proverbs chapter 9 and just read through over your lunch break or before you go to bed. Uh, And each day there'll be a different chapter. Pick Lift out those things that you glean from. Maybe one or two will fit something you're going through right now and just kind of let the rest go. I hope and pray that you'll choose to be here as we journey together along this path to wisdom. As we learn to live life well, no matter what it is that we're going through. Discerning and discovering lessons from the book of Proverbs so that we might not be found to be foolish along the journey. And all God's people said, Amen.